Welcome to the Mindset and Motivation Podcast, one of the top motivational podcasts in the world. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we come out with a short, to the point, no BS episode to help make massive changes in your mind and transform you from who you are now to who you want to be. My name is Rob Dial, and the podcast starts now. Welcome to today's episode. If you have not yet done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. And we're just going to dive in today. Uh, This is actually a long podcast. This is an interview that my friend Cassidy Phillips, who has an incredible podcast that just came out called Blissful Ignorance by Cassidy Phillips, um, interviewed me the other day. And I said, hey, that was a great interview. You asked me questions that have never been asked before. Can I go ahead and steal this audio and put it on my podcast? And he said, absolutely. And to give you an idea of who Cassidy is, guys, he uh, used to own the company called Trigger Point. Uh, he ended up selling the company. Uh, he can't tell me the exact number that he sold it for, but I know it was a lot of money because his company was doing over $20 million per year when he sold it. And Trigger Point, if you don't know what the company is, uh, they basically, if you've ever seen any foam roller, you know, you foam roll to get your muscles, if they're sore, to get them all loosened up. Uh, He was basically the guy who brought it to the mainstream and blew that company up. And they have a bunch of products and they're all over in stores. So if you're looking for a good podcast with an already very successful person, I would go ahead and listen to his podcast, Blissful Ignorance. And he just had a book called Blissful Ignorance that came out as well. I'm going to have an interview with him coming up very soon. But this is actually his interview with me. So without further ado, this is the interview with Cassidy Phillips on the Blissful Ignorant podcast. This guy is the guy on the internet today. I mean, he's got the eyes, he's got the smile, and he's got the views. Rob Dial, the man, the mission, the legend, the personal help guru. Who the hell are you? So who am I? I'm a, uh, I am a guy who, uh, I grew up with an okay life. It turned into a little bit worse when my father became an alcoholic. I uh, tortured myself in my head. I was on the outside, everything was really good, but I tortured myself in my head, I think, uh, with uh, self-limiting beliefs, problems that came from having an alcoholic father, uh, passed away when I was 15, and then uh, got into personal development and became obsessed with it. And once I saw the changes in my life and the way I felt about myself and the way I viewed the world around me, um, I thought that there was a lot of value to teach it to other people. And so I just one day decided to start a podcast. I just happened to be a musician with recording equipment inside of my room and that I was renting from a friend and started podcasts and just started saying the stuff that helped me that in reality, it was almost like a diary. Like I was just, I was just saying the things that I needed to say to myself Mm -hmm. and started putting it out there and people started connecting with it. And then I decided to make videos and then videos started doing pretty well. And I thought, well, how can I how can I make videos to help change human consciousness? Because I see a lot of people that are stuck in society and they're stuck in a life that they don't look like they signed up for. And I thought if I could just put some of this stuff out there, maybe I'd be able to to help people relieve themselves from what they've kind of gotten themselves into in case they want to break free of it. So uh, that was a, a few years ago, and it just keeps going from there. What's interesting to me is that uh, you didn't mention university or Dropped PhD out. or uh, you know any of that stuff. You're you're a dude that that just you know went to the school of hard knots and and really figured it out for yourself, and then decided that was something you could share with others. Yeah. 
Um, so I did go to college. I uh, originally went to college to be an engineer because I was good at math. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that I didn't want to crunch numbers my entire life. So then I thought I was, wanted to be a business major with learning about psychology as well, just because humans in the brain interested me. And uh, I went into a company where I was a sales manager and over, over one summer, they gave us the opportunity to open our own office. It was with, with Cutco and we sold knives. I taught people how to sell knives. And uh, I made more in that summer than I would have if I graduated that year. And uh, my mom actually was the one who, believe it or not, my mom's the exact opposite of every parent that's like, stay in school, stay in school. We, uh, I, I, I had the idea of, I think I want to drop out. I was probably 20, 21 at the time. And I had gone to school for a couple of years and, and uh, I was like, hey, I have, I have some important I want to talk to you. You want to go meet at Cracker Barrel? Because she lived about an hour away. So we met at Cracker Barrel in the middle. And I was like, this company's giving me an opportunity to, to actually go and open an office to them as a career opportunity. And, uh, and I'm thinking about doing it. And she's like, well, how much would you make? And I told her rough figures of if I did average, if I did well, how much I'd make. And she said, well, the only reason you go to college is to try to make money anyways. And you're already making money. So what's the point of wasting any more money at college? And so my mom was partially the woman who, you know, person who, who talked me into dropping out of college. Wow. I always wanted to. And I felt like I there was a part of me that felt like I needed a degree because everyone else would have a degree around me. Exactly. And I knew that I was smart, mm -hmm. um, but I, I decided that uh, the right thing to do would be to drop out. And I think that um, since doing that and meeting extremely successful people that dropped out of college, that I realized that college is not really necessary for, I would say college is not necessary for 75% of people that go to college. Yeah, it's interesting. So similar path, mm -hmm. uh, ADD, ADHD, dyslexic, I've got it all. Yep. I'm like a dysfunctional ball. Yeah. But in college, they said I'd never be able to perform at a university level. So I went home and told my dad, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to step out of college or I'm going to drop out of college, but I'm going to drop into life. I'm going to step into life. Yeah. And he said, you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> you know, you better get all you can get while you can get it. Because he was like, that's a really cute phrase. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, you know, unfortunately, but fortunately, that's not what I wanted to hear from him, but it was the catalyst to get me to where I am. Yeah. And so knowing a little bit about your past and your, you, you talked about your father at 15, he passed away. He was an alcoholic. Um, that's, that's a tough thing for any child to go through. The validation made of came maybe came from your mother um and so she gave you the 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 reconfirmation that it is okay yep. to be an artist and what i mean by this is is sales is an art form of course it is, yeah uh and i believe in blissful ignorance art of being an entrepreneur you have to be an artist if you want to be an entrepreneur yeah you have to be willing to make music yeah and so you're a musician you're a passionate person you've got the validations from your mom and what about your dad i mean is is what you do today because uh, so that people can understand, you have uh, how many views on your Facebook videos collectively, all together? How many views? Do you have any idea? Um, so last year, between all of the posts that I put up, pictures and videos in 2018 was, was around a billion. Okay, a billion views yeah. of you. But really, it's a billion ears listening to the message mm -hmm. or eyes looking at the message yeah. that you created. Yeah. Is any of that or does any of that um, have anything to do with your relationship with your father? For sure. 
I would say all of it does. I, I would not do what I do now had I not gone through what I went through. Uh, there's absolutely no way. I remember the, my dad died on November 1st, 2001. My sister's 21st birthday was November 24th, 2001. So that was 23 days apart. And I remember leaving the Olive Garden. It was my mom, my sister, and myself. And my mom asked the question, because it had been three weeks and it wasn't expected. She asked the question, um, what do you think about your father's death? And I remember, and I don't, I don't even feel like the same person as that 15-year-old, but I remember this 15-year-old said, that was me, he said, I think that if dad knew how much good is going to come from this, he'd be okay with dying. Mm. It's my exact words. And my idea was, if this is such a bad event in my life, how can I make sure more good comes from it? And I didn't know what it looked like. Originally, what I wanted to do is I wanted to go and speak at AA meetings because I had gone to Al-Anon. But what I found was they don't allow you to go into AA meetings unless you are an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You can go into Al-Anon. But I wanted to actually go and speak to alcoholics and let them know what, it, what happens to their children, what decisions they're making, uh, and how it affects their, their children. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let me go in and do it. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll figure something else out. And so it kind of, for a few years, I molded over. And then at 19, I, I started in sales. And it, it was finally like a release that I was looking for. And it was, the, it was almost like my saving grace. Like what I wanted to do, I feel like I finally found. And they, they taught personal development and read and go to conferences and try to become better. And it was a perfect uh, place to kind of learn and figure out who I was. And then within a year, I was promoted to a manager and I started teaching and training and interviewing new reps. And so what had helped me in the past year, I started reteaching to everyone else. And the very first time that I realized that I was making an impact on people's lives, I had a, uh, I had a representative named Shaquem and he came up to me and, uh, and he, his father had passed away a year before. I was only 21 at the time, he was 19. And he came up to me and he said, he said, do you want to know the reason why I keep showing up even though I'm not that good yet? And I said, why? And he said, because since my father passed away a year ago, you're the only person I've ever felt was a father figure to me. Mm. And I was 21 at the time. And so I realized that I was making a difference in people's lives at that point in time. Well, then fast forward a little bit. I left that company. I went into corporate sales and I did really well. And eventually I got to the point where I was tired of making a lot of money, but not doing anything fulfilling from it. And so I decided to start the podcast and that's where it all came from. So I would not be doing what I'm doing now had my father passed away. Uh, and I also know the reason, the reason why my father passed away and why he was an alcoholic uh, was because he had his own demons he was dealing with. I never blamed myself for him passing away. Uh, but when he was 12 years old, he walked in in the middle of the night because he heard a gunshot and his dad had just killed himself. Mm-hmm. So he was a 12-year-old that walked in and saw you know, his dad dead on the floor who just killed himself. He never overcame those demons. And so I understand that a lot of people don't know how to get past a lot of the things that are happening in their head. And so for me, I love to dive into and read books about childhood trauma and how to help people relieve themselves from the, the, the trauma that is happening in their head. And so uh, a guy named Gabor Mate is really good with addictions and trauma and the connection between the two of them. And he puts it the best where he says, an event is traumatic. So my, you know, my father passing away was traumatic. But trauma is what happens inside of you after the event. And so someone can have a traumatic event, but I want to help them relieve the trauma that continues to keep going so that they can live the life that they want to. Mm. 
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the thing that I, my brain continues to go back to is, have you released the trauma within you yeah. yet? Yeah. You yeah. think so? I mean, I'm sure there's still some of it that exists, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I don't think I've ever been happier, which is, which is a good way to show there's not a whole lot of trauma that's left. Yeah, it's interesting because when I think of happiness, yeah. um, there's joy and there's happiness. Yeah. Uh, what I look for in my life now is joy. Happiness can come and go, but joy is something that I'm deep-rooted into. And so do you feel like the plant that's grown or the flower that's grown from your father's death is that, that joy in sharing with other people? That's your coping mechanism is to share with others the experience that you had so that they may not have to go through the same thing? For sure. So I think that what happened originally was to, to give you my story is, is when he passed away, I didn't uh, tell anybody. And, and it was to, to know that I've, I've gotten past it is to show that I'm, how much I talk about it and how open I am with it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't hurt anymore when I talk about it, mm-hmm. which is the good thing. So when I was younger, uh, he passed away on a Thursday. I went to back to school on Monday and I didn't tell anybody and I just held it. And then I read a book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown that talks about the power of vulnerability. And when I first started my podcast, I was like, I'm going to be as vulnerable as I possibly can. I'm going to talk about anything that people want to talk about. Like when we first started this interview, I said, anything you want to ask me, I'm a complete open book. Um, Because I think talking about it is very cathartic. And I think that my healing came from actually letting those, letting the emotions go. So like when people, you know, there's clinical depression and then there's, there's, being depressed, which is kind of a, a momentary, you know, it could be around for a couple of days, a month, whatever it is. And if you look at the word depressed, to depress something is to hold it down, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that with most people, they become depressed because they don't want, to, they, they've been holding down emotions they've, they've had for so long that they just come out in something, you know, or they just can't even, they don't even know how to get rid of emotions anymore. It's just stuck inside of them. Sure. So I think that when I can talk about things and I can be okay with them and, uh, and not feel the emotions of the sadness of him not being there, I think is big. I think a lot of my life, uh, was very much, I was just trying to prove myself to him, even though he wasn't around anymore. Yeah. And, and we're all trying to feel our own worth. And so when I was, younger and in sales, I had to be number one because that was the only way that I was worth it, right? That was the only thing. If you take StrengthsFinder, my StrengthsFinder, that test, the number one is competitiveness. Like I'm the person that will not, I will break bones before I stop, before I quit. Like I just will not lose. And the resilience of it is really good for me because I, I, I don't fail often. I fail, but I don't completely fail at something because I just don't give up. I'm just resilient at it. Um, but before it used to be the fact that I had to be number one to prove myself I was worth something. Man, I, that's the, I'm the biggest believer in we're always trying to prove something to somebody that's yeah. no longer in your life. Yeah. And, but that is a great motivator to get you where you need to be. But at some point, you have to have true forgiveness. And forgiveness For sure. means that you let go. Yep. It's gone. Yep. And so you are a true testament to that. Mm-hmm. You've, you've dealt with the trials and tribulations. You've moved on from it. And now you actually have a business that is supported by your vulnerability. Yeah. And is that a, an awkward, I mean, men being vulnerable, I, it's, it's starting to, to be more of a thing in the day and age of today. And I think you might be at the, the, the leadership of that movement. Yeah. Um, is there anything when you say, hey, I'll talk about anything. 
is there anything that makes you uncomfortable being so vulnerable on camera to millions of people around the world? No, not anymore. It used to. Being, being, uh, being on camera is a lot more than being in front of people. So I used to speak a lot in person when I was in sales. And so I got used to speaking and seeing people's faces. It's easier to speak to somebody and see the reaction to know where to, the conversation is going to go. It's a lot harder when you're just talking to a camera and there's no reaction coming from the camera. Um, but at this point, there's nothing, there's nothing that I won't talk about because I know that my mess is my message. And if I really truly believe in this, what I'm putting out there and who I'm trying to affect, then I have to be the catalyst to change and talk about the things that are most uncomfortable to me. I love it. You to repeat that your mess is your message. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of shit that happened to me when I was younger. And I, I talk about it. I talk about my darkest memory is I remember a time when my dad was supposed to come pick me up from a baseball game. And there was a lot of times where he was supposed to come pick me up and he was just wouldn't come. Right. And he, he would be at the bar. He would forget all of these things. And I remember I was probably nine years old. I was sitting on the bleachers. It was the very last baseball game of the night. And everybody knows if you've ever been to a baseball game, the, the, there's, those lights are always timed. Sitting there, they just clicked off. No nine-year-old wants to be in the dark. And then like a freaking movie, it just starts raining. So I'm literally in the dark, in the rain. I have no phone because this is, you know, the, the early 90s. There's no cell phones. I didn't have any money on me. So I ran to the community center. There was a little covered area. I still remember exactly what it looked like. And on the right-hand side, there was a payphone. I didn't have money for the payphone. So I tried calling, you know, zero and get to collect to get ahead of, get a hold of my mom. Luckily, after a while, a car drove by and I lived in a small town where everyone knew each other and they saw me and they drove me home. And for the longest time, all I thought to my, in my head was my dad loves alcohol more than he loves me, which is where originally where it came, the, the, we all have, it's my personal belief that we all have the feeling, the core of I'm not enough in some sort of way. You know, the average child is reprimanded eight times more than they're praised by their parents. So the average child thinks I'm not enough eight times more than they think that they're enough. So you don't have to have a psychology degree in order to raise a child. And, uh, in, in reality, all parents are just trying their best and the, like the best, they're doing the best that they can at that moment. Right. And, uh, and so I always say that we, we raise our children in a sense to, to put it as harshly as possible, the same way you raise a dog. No, don't do that. No, don't poop on the floor. No, don't hit your sister. Did it like, so it's like same way that you'd raise a dog. It's going to poop on the floor is exactly the same way that you raise a child. And it, it happens a lot. And so naturally, if we're constantly searching for love for our parents, and we get reprimanded eight times more than we're praised. And we're thinking that I'm not loved and I'm not enough eight times more than we're thinking that we're enough. So going back to that, I was constantly searching for my father's love and thought that he loved alcohol more than he loved me. Well, as I got older and became an adult, I realized, like I said, he just had his own demons. And the, the forgiveness that you were talking about a minute ago came from realizing that a 12-year-old boy was injured by watching his, you know, seeing his father after he committed suicide and I wasn't dealing with the 48-year-old man who was the alcoholic. I was dealing with the 12-year-old broken boy that had never gotten past it. We're all just, if we don't get past it, we're all just broken children inside. Yeah, I, that, that's, that's incredibly well said. I mean, I, once again, I believe that we're always trying to prove something to somebody. But I also believe that in order to be who you want to be in life, you have to accept who you are today. For sure. And I think that you've done a very good job at, at understanding who you are today. Thank you. Um, what, what does that mean to you as a business person? Because you're, you're, you're like, 
you're this new age uh, entrepreneur that that really has defined his career on this analytical mindset that is based off of a nonlinear process of an artist, if that makes sense. You are your own genius. Yeah. So what's the, what's the question directly? Because I, I feel like there's a lot of ways I could go with That's it, but right. I want to know the exact, the exact question well, to make sure I answer it's, for you. It's, it's how have you how have you harnessed your thoughts yeah. into uh, creating your own pathway, yeah. your own career, yeah. and your own financial independence through the thoughts that are inside of your head? So um, I everybody would say that that's impossible, right? For sure. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at any, any business owner, that it's the thoughts in their head that create something like your company, right? When you started Trigger Point, you decided to start a foam rolling company and there was a thought in your head of, you know what? My muscles are pretty sore. What if I were to develop my own one that's better than whatever exists, right? It was yep. a thought in your head yes. that became something. So the, the only difference is, is that mine's not a physical product that someone can hold, hold on to. Right. If I had a book, it'd be different. That's what people and, and people always ask if I've written a book. And I'm like, honestly, I hate writing. So <laughs> when I hire a ghostwriter, I'll have a book. Yeah. But the difference is it's uh, it's the, it's it's more of the the idea. And, and I see everything as I'm still a musician, like the way what I do now. The, the videos that I make, <clears throat> the only reason that I can make them the way that I do is because I write them exactly the same way that I used to write songs. I try to take someone on a journey to go through something. And the reason why I thought I wanted to be a musician when I was younger was because of the fact that music was the only thing that made me feel good. Like that was my, that was my, my release of emotions in a way. Like I could listen to music and the, the release was there. Um, but it was also an experience for me. Now, being a musician doesn't seem like a crazy, I mean, it's people like, yeah, some people are musicians. It's not the greatest career, but it, it's seen as, yeah, a musician. You can go be a musician. Well, what's the difference between being a musician when I'm doing, and what I'm doing? I'm helping people release themselves from emotions and negative trauma, but then also giving them an experience is really what it is. And so for me, it, it was not a definite plan when I first started this. When I first started the podcast, which is how I got into doing stuff internationally, people kept asking me the same question over and over and over again. How are you going to monetize it? And my exact answer to them was, I don't care. I'm going to treat it exactly like Facebook. And what I mean by that is that Facebook didn't know how to make money for a long time. They just built it as big as they possibly could. And then they figured out how to monetize and they cashed out. And now they're one of the biggest companies in the world. And that was my whole thing was I'm just like, I'm going to put out as much value as I possibly can. And then when I talk to the people and survey them, I'll find out what they want. Mm. And so for me, that's what happened is I just put out, I didn't, I didn't make any money off my podcast or anything that I did for 10 months, literally 10 months, three episodes per week, hundreds of thousands of downloads at the time by 10 months, I was almost at a million downloads by, by 10 months before I ever decided to try to make money off of anything. But what I did was I asked everybody what they wanted. And I think that that's what a lot of entrepreneurs don't do is they have a following, but they don't find out what people want. They just guess and then they fail. So why don't you grow a following, find out what people want and how you can best serve them based on what they want and then put that product out there. So what happened with me is a lot of people were just like, hey, I want coaching. And I thought to myself, there's hundreds of people that want coaching. There's only one of me that's absolutely impossible for me to do that. And I was like, what type of coaching do you want? We put out surveys and we find out questions. And it was, it was very funny. A lot of the, the same people, like hundreds of people came in 
there was only maybe 10 issues that people dealt with. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I know how to get past these issues. I've taught people this for the past. The thing that was interesting about me is even before I started making money off it, I had been teaching people this stuff for 10 years before then. Cause I started when I was 19, 32 now. And so before I started making any money off it, I had been helping people through a lot of things and, and, and help them. Like I told you, Shaquem, I was 21, I was 21 when he told me that I was quote unquote, a father figure for him. And so I just asked them what they wanted and then made it. And, and that was the best idea for me because people got value from it. And they, I started a group coaching program. People joined it and then they stuck around. The average person stays in a coaching program, online coaching program, two or three months. Mine's like six to eight months before someone feels like they've, they've gotten to a point where they don't, you know, my goal is to have someone graduate from it. Mm-hmm. They don't, I don't want them to need me all the time because I'm not doing my job. They should be self-sufficient. So I just asked people what they wanted and then just created it. And so we were talking about just a minute ago, people are, I asked people, my, my audience before, and they're like, you know, it'd be cool if we had some, some clothing to wear. So we all feel like we're a community because people just want to feel like a community, sure, right? Sure. So I'm like, all right, cool. I've always wanted to start a clothing company. So why don't we, my girlfriend's an incredible artist and creator. Why don't we just start a clothing company? And that way we're all a, a team. So the difference was I just decided to start something that, uh, that everybody wanted. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I'm going to quit it back to business. And, and the idea of listening is something that most business owners never do yeah. uh, in their office or outside of their office. I say, I think they're the one that's, right. that's right. Yeah, The market should want what I say they want. That's right. And I fall in circumstance to that at times. But the, the deal is, is, is that, you know, with TriggerPoint, I created an educational platform first. And with that education, I created the products to implement the education. Okay. It was for myself. And then I shared it with others. So I wanted to empower people to be able to take care of themselves and do things they never thought possible. And I see synergies here because what you've done is taken a practical application to life and said, I'm going to give you answers to the questions that you have. I'm actually going to listen to find out what those questions are, and I'm going to provide you my answer. Now, there's not one answer, but this is my answer, and you can do with it what you please. And what you found is that they hang around a lot longer if you're giving them what they want, uh, what they need versus what they want. Would that be correct? For sure. And what's interesting is that you said we did the same thing, but in just two different categories. That's all it is. But what you said was that you created what you wanted, what you felt you needed. That's what you actually said. The thing that's great about, about what I do is I would still research the exact same thing. If I was, if I didn't have this, like I was already obsessed with the human brain and the way it works and neurology and psychology and success and how all of those tie together. I would do it anyways. And so it forced me to learn more about what I do in order to create a better product for people, which probably was the same for you. Like you started doing it and you got a little bit deeper and you're like, man, I can't only have surface level knowledge. I need to know a lot about my industry, which probably gave you a depth of knowledge going into it that you didn't have when you first started. Oh, well, I was doing it. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. There was a fear I had MS. So I started studying muscle tissue fiber structure, how to regenerate it, married it with my biomechanical background and came out with, you know, my six areas of the body that I felt influenced biomechanics the most. So it's, it's, once again, it's very similar yet totally different. And the, in the end result is, is you bled the brand, meaning you're willing to be vulnerable under any circumstance in order to allow that information to be transferred. Yeah. So blissful ignorance. Yeah. 
What is your blissful? How, how you are you are you're truly blissfully ignorant? You think that you can make a living what you have based off of your knowledge, which you've learned on your own, and you have no university backing you, uh, which I love. But here's the deal: blissful ignorance is is believing beyond any reason that you can do whatever you want to do in life. Yeah. What why, what gives you the right to think that you can go change the world with what's inside of your mind? It's a great question. I think that what happened was when I was younger, I realized that people would come to me for advice and I never knew why. And not, not just necessarily advice, but people just came to me to talk. And uh, like recently, we just, we just had a friend um, who passed away. She was, uh, it's, well, it's still under investigation. So uh, she was, but I'll put it the way that I view it. She was murdered with her two daughters. And uh, this happened two weeks ago. And uh, it was her, she was 37. Her daughters were 16 and 10. And, uh, and so the thing that I realized happened is that as that happened, people kept in, in that friend circle kind of came to me and just needed someone to kind of be there and be a sounding board and, you know, listen to them. And, and it's always been that way in my life. I don't know how it happened, why it happened. Um, but I think that listening is a skill. I think that I've gotten better at it. I think it used to be just mostly me talking. And so I think that um, that we all have certain strengths. I'm bad at a lot of stuff. Like I'm really, I'm pretty bad at a lot of stuff. If I'm completely honest with you, like I told you writing, I'm terrible at, um, I'm not even a great speaker. I just, I just like talk and I say whatever comes from my mind and from my heart. But, um, I think that I've just realized the strength that I have is that for some reason, people like to listen to me. I don't know if it's because I try to be authentic and I try to be vulnerable and so I found that as a strength and it's been a strength for a long time. So why don't I just try to develop it and see what can happen? And I think that with most people, will, what most people try to do is they try to improve their flaws. And for me, I just try to put blinders on and go after the, the one, two or three things that I feel I'm good at and that connect with people. So um, I think I'm blissfully ignorant in the fact that, you know, there's success in anything that you want to do and you can be good at anything you want to do. Um, but you have to put the time in. One of the things that I've been talking to my girlfriend a lot about that, that's really been super interesting to me is I'm getting really um, excited about looking, how, looking at how successful people are becoming with very limited knowledge in the world, but just one specific skill set. Mm. So an example is there's this guy that's on, that's on YouTube and my, I, I love watches. Mm. And, and every time I put him on, she's like, why are you watching this? Cause he's, he's from Miami. He's got that Miami accent, but he makes a ton of money and he just knows watches. That's it. Mm. And I, I love the fact that if you can have a, if you can go really, really deep in just one thing, you can be successful at it. And I think most people are trying to improve their flaws because it makes them feel more like they're not enough versus get really good at one thing and one thing only. So he's an example of one. There's so many people I've come across that are just, you know, they don't seem like they would be a successful person, but they just have really deep knowledge in one thing. And it's the thing that interests them the most in the world most of the time too. And like I said, I would still be researching the human brain if I made no money off of it, but I'm going really deep and constantly learning. Like on the way over here, I'm listening to an interview that my girlfriend would be like, can you turn this off? Cause it's just about neurology, but that just interests the hell out of me. I don't know why it does, but instead of me trying to improve the other things I'd be like, Oh, you know what? People say I should write a book. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to try to develop the skill that I'm really terrible at. 
I go, I'm interested in this thing. I seem to be good at it. For some reason, people connect with it. Why don't I just go really hard at this one thing and just see what comes from it? It's interesting because I, I think you're a fantastic storyteller. So don't short side the book. Yeah. You can find somebody to write the book. Uh, so well, um, yes. Book yeah. Fun. Don't I'm not. Don't. Physically do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. On an old typewriter, yeah. you know, pushing <laughs> the keys. Uh, so there's something in the book that I call the three-two rule. And when you go to hire someone, uh, a lot of times what you find, especially when you have multiple employees, I think at one time I had 50 employees and I don't know how many 1099s, but the, the deal was three-two rule. And what that was is come to my office and write three things that you're good at, two things that you're great at on the board. Uh, and, and we'll revisit this in three months. Typically, they're working on the three things that they're good at, and they're not concentrating on the two things that you're great at. And I say, I hired you to do the two things that you're great at, but you're still trying to prove something to somebody or even to yourself that you can do these things that you're good at. And those are irrelevant because somebody else can do those great. Yeah. So don't get lost in your good when your great is so good because it becomes effortless. And that effortless action means that you're not going to have to spend so much time at the office, that you are going to have that work-life balance because you're doing the things that you're great at. But when you're doing things that you're good at, unfortunately, you obsess about it and those obsessions become a, a pattern and that pattern becomes your reality and then you complain because you don't have work-life balance but you're doing something in a way that's trying to prove something to somebody and you take it out on your boss can you relate to that at all um so the one thing that was the worst step was delegation because i as you were saying i was trying to prove myself to my father who wasn't alive at the time so i had to prove that i could do everything better than everybody else uh, we only have a few skill sets. What I should have focused on was my one or two, I wouldn't even say three, my one or two things that I was the best at. What I try to do now and what I have a joke with my friend about is I try to do more nothing and pay people to do my somethings. Mm. And my nothing, quote unquote nothing, is I wake up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee and I journal and type. So I, I, I feel like my creativeness, which from me, is I think that when we have creativity come through us, I view it a lot like I think the Greeks used to, where they say there's a muse. It's the divine speaking through you. And I try to connect to that as much as I can. It only comes in the morning for some reason. Nine to 11 o'clock, maybe it shows up if I'm lucky. And I try to drink coffee to kind of get it going. I'll put as much as I possibly can on a piece of paper. I'll listen to Alan Watts. I'll listen to people that are inspiring to me that because usually I'll hear something and I go, oh yeah, I think that way too. And, I, and I'll start putting my own thoughts down on it. And I try to put people in place to do everything else. I try to have people that do videos that are really good at it, that do editing that's really good at it, that distribute my content that are really good at it, that you know, take payments for me that are really good at it, that are more organized than I am. Because that's another one of my things I'm terrible at. I'm not organized at all. I show up. I turn on the camera, I talk to it, I turn it off, I give it to the people that know what to do with it, and then I try to put it on the internet and see if it connects with people. So for me, it used to be really, really hard to, to let anybody do anything else. Now it's really hard for me to do anything else but the couple things that I'm good at. Well, it's, I, I love that, and, and you're going to have to mentor me in that category because uh, I struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, I really do because I, I'm a, a jack of all trades. Yeah. I can do a lot of things good. I can do only a few things great. Yeah. Uh, but automation is, is hard. Mm -hmm. um, Second-guessing your work is, is just a byproduct of being creative, sure. and so you have to let go and trust that it's good enough for those that are in need of what you've, you've, you've created. Yeah. Um, 
and so on the business side, selfishly for me, mm-hmm. you, you've, you've, you've talked about your strengths, you've talked about your shortcomings, but you are an incredible success mm-hmm. at this world of online, um, personal, uh, what would you call it? Personal coaching, or is it a just form of personal development? I guess personal I, development. I, mean, I, I do coaching for sure. Yep. Yeah. And so you know, when there are people that that uh, I believe in my podcast, I've got a bunch of different people that are going to listen to it. But you know, uh, what I've seen most of with a book or an older population reading the book mm-hmm. and applying the concepts to their everyday life. Yeah. Uh, you're a younger guy that has a, a millennial mindset of sorts, uh, but you also have a linear process that you're trying to follow. How do you think business owners, older business owners that have had a brick and mortar or something like that, they really want to get more involved in, in, in influencing a population. What are some things that you would, would give them to, to, uh, to strengthen those weaknesses? So would you say influence them as far as influence populations, would you said verse uh, as far as making more money or to have more impact in people's lives that are in their community or around them on the internet? Well, I believe that education is is marketing with integrity. And so as long as you're given the education, the consumer can make a product, a, a purchasing decision. Yeah. It's typically gonna be in your favor if you're educating in the right way. Sure. So um, everything obviously ends up a, a sale of some sort. Of so uh, how would you help a brick-and-mortar, mom-and-pop entrepreneur get a better understanding of how they can be more influential in the marketplace via this online world? So uh, great question. I think that the, and I've been saying it for a couple of years now, I think that the most valuable thing in the world to have right now is a personal brand because people connect with people. They don't connect with brands. And so whenever I'm sitting in front of people and they want to build, you know, say it's a, a, a mom and pop shop, like you're saying, but uh, say, they, say they want to influence the people that are around them. I'm trying to think of, of a, an easy way to go directly to it is, you know, like I'm, I'm immediately thinking of, I'll just go with it, but I'm thinking of trigger point for some reason. So let's say that you're, re- you know, you had never made it, but you're making it today. Mm-hmm. The, the best way to influence sales is to go where everyone's going and to just be top of mind. So if you were to restart it and you know, trigger point was absolutely nothing at this point, it was just a, a thought in your head. My thing is I think it would be really good to have a personal brand just on yourself and that's it. And then people find out about your company eventually whenever they start to follow you. And here's the thing that people don't realize is that if you're making trigger point, you probably put blood, sweat and tears and it was your passion when you made it and you probably really believed in that product, right? And the thing about it is that if I follow you and I start to fall in love with all the stuff that you're saying, I'm, I might live in a completely different city, a completely different state, but you're putting out this information and I connect with you. It makes it really easy for you to make a sale to me because I now trust you because I feel like we have that personal connection. When people are trying to start their company's brand, of course you should have a company Facebook page and stuff, but you will make more sales off of their personal brand and people finding out about your company than you ever will by just putting up a Facebook page about your company. So I would assume from the beginning, at least until it becomes this well-oiled machine, it's freaking cranking. You got the advertising, all that stuff that, that the personal brand that you have 
will bring in more trigger point sales in the beginning than it would if you actually just had trigger point as a Facebook page and try to start pumping it out there. And the reason why is because I'm thinking in my head, you're an interesting guy. People would want to know what you're doing. If you're just creating content, you're talking about the books that you're reading, you're talking about the place that you're traveling to, and then they see you and you're sitting there and you're talking about, oh yeah, we just traveled and you know I put my stuff inside of my foam roller because it's got a hole in. I could put the, my t-shirts and roll them up and take them out. And you can talk about it as you're on the foam roller. People are gonna be like, what the hell is he on? What is it that he's doing? And you can just talk about it for just a minute. So I think that you know, if you look at, for instance, Gary Vaynerchuk, his company was at like $50 million before he became, he built himself into the celebrity that he is. This company's doing like $450 million a year now. And it's because of the fact that there's more eyes on him, more eyes on him knowing he's a businessman, now there's more eyes on his business. So it's not about getting your business out there, it's about getting yourself out there and then people become aware of your business. So it could be anything too. And this is, you know, um, it could, and, and, and it doesn't have to be talking about personal growth because I know people are gonna listen to it and be like, well, I'm not into personal growth, I don't read those books. You could talk about anything. You could talk about local politics, that, that whatever interests you, whatever your weird is, there's other weird people that are into that weird thing. That's what I always say. So it could be religion. It could be local politics. It could be um, personal growth. It could be fitness. It could be, you know, gardening, whatever the hell it is, just talk about whatever it is. And every once in a while, people are going to become aware of your brand and your brand will grow because of the fact that people are just starting to follow you. They're starting to watch what you're doing. They're interested in you and you will make more sales because people actually trust you. And when you put out a product and people trust you, you don't have to sell. They just automatically buy. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the the idea of sales and the I, I think that that all you the Cutco crew, I mean, I never knew there were so many people in Cutco that that yeah, that that have become so successful and you know, a knife is a need in most households, right? Yeah. And so you guys found the emotional connection to to tie those that were inside of the house to that need. Yeah. And I still my wife says it's the best knives ever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. So, you know, a a a 19-year-old kid at the time when you started working for Cutco to 32 years old, yeah. you've got let's assume you got a, a financial independence and you travel the world. And you've got a lifestyle that is desired by most. Um, where where do you go with your career from here? I mean, what is the next step in the evolution of 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 being quote unquote dialed in? I like the yeah. the term, so I got to yeah. use it. I use it all the time. Okay, good. I've, I used to hate it, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna have to own this dialed in thing. Dialed in, man. <clears throat> I love it. So, you know, what is that next level? Um, it's a good question, and the answer is there isn't one because I don't care about it anymore. Uh, this has been the, the reprogramming of me in the past year. So I woke up one day, uh, it's probably last year, maybe almost a year ago now. And I woke up and I'm not an anxious person. I don't have any anxiety. I'm not depressed. I'm lucky enough to feel like I'm pretty even keel most days. And I woke up in like a panic. The very first thought in my head was, I got to do this. I got to do this for my marketing. I got to do this. I got to go out and make money. And it was, it was literally like a, a panic. Very first thought. And I was like, why the hell is this in my head? And it was for me, this, this obsession of, I woke up, I need to become obsessed with why I woke up this way because it, it was immediately, I need to make money. 
And I thought to myself, I don't need to make money though. Like if I, I don't need to make money at this exact moment, I can live off of my savings for years and not, and I, I would be completely fine. If I didn't change my life at all, I'd be completely fine. So I thought to myself, why do I feel like I have to make money? Why is, why am I waking up with anxiety right now? And the reason why I was waking up with anxiety is because I realized that deep down inside, I was still that little kid that was worried about survival. We grew up really poor and, you know, people have grown up poor and I was, I was lucky enough to have an incredible family and incredible mom that was able to, to keep it all together. But we grew up poor enough where I realized that I needed to worry about survival. And for me, money was that connection to survival. And I needed to make money to survive. And I woke up at 31 years old and still had that instinct of, I need to make money, I need to survive. And an organism cares about survival more than it cares about anything. That's number one priority. And so I realized that I was worried about survival. I was worried about making money. And the past year has been my reprogramming of how can, I, how can I still make money but not care about making more money? And I think that when you're asking me the question, and this, is, this goes back to what you originally said, we're always trying to prove something to someone else. If I'm trying to worry about the next step of Rob Dial, I'm really in some sort of way, trying to prove myself to somebody. And so for me, what I think the best route for me is, I know what my strengths are, I know what I'm good at. How can I just develop these as much as possible and just see where it leads me? So instead of, I know what I want to do, I, know, I have financial goals for this year, but I'm not so tied to them that if I don't hit them, that I'm gonna feel bad about it. I'm not so tied to them that I need to wake up every single morning and just focus on those. Mine is, Kind of like you set your GPS, you get in your car, you set your GPS, and as long as you just follow the turns, eventually you're going to get to that destination. Well, I know what my GPS is for the year. I know where I, what my goals are and where I'm trying to go, but more than anything else is I'm going to take the turns when the turns come up. Eventually, they're going to come up, but I'm trying to enjoy the ride more than I'm worried about trying to get to my destination. I love what you just said. Yeah. I love the carefree attitude about it all, but we all have a goal, right? And that goal is something you can touch, feel. A dream is somewhat unobtainable. And I know how driven you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you wouldn't be who you are. So what I'm saying is, how do you communicate to those that might say, I don't believe you. I believe that you have a goal. I believe that you're, you're, you're focused on achieving that goal. And I want to understand that mentality of, of, of taking it easy and, and not worrying about where I go. It's the journey. It's not the, the, the destination, which I believe, I'm a big believer in. The path is the fantastic journey that you're on. That's what you embrace. That's why there's water stations on a marathon so that you can celebrate each mile. Uh, so here's my question. Are you celebrating each mile? Am I celebrating each mile? So No, I don't think I am. Really? No. Because you have to. No. If I, you don't celebrate those little micro milestones that you create for yourself, yeah. those are the stepping stones, I believe, to get to that journey where you want to be, that destination where you want to sure. be. For sure. But if you just concentrate <clears throat> on the ebbs and flows and never give the accolades to yourself, embrace yourself the, uh, uh, along the way, mm -hmm. then you may lose your path. So here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rephrase it and it'll make more sense to you. I think when I do this, um, I did 
I actually had my marketing guy tell me I need to celebrate a billion more than I did. Because mm-hmm. I, just, I just brushed past. There was, I, three years ago, would have been like, dude, I'm so badass. I had a billion people look at my shit last year. Right. I, I was just like, he's like, you need to celebrate. I was like, I really don't care. It's not a huge deal for me because it just shows me that what I'm doing is the right path for whatever it is. But let me reframe it, right? You're a religious guy. We talked yes. about this, right? Okay. The point of you being alive is probably to become the most, let's say, uh, a, a phrase would be enlightened version of yourself, sure. the most in touch with Jesus before you die. Yes. Right? So I'm not necessarily a religious person. Um, I follow Buddha. I follow Jesus. I follow everyone that I possibly can. What's happened to me over the past year, and we talked about this through um, different plant medicines, through doing a 10-day meditation, silent meditation, is my goal is to unwind all of the shit that I've wound up the past 32 years to become more at peace with it. And so if we're talking about a goal, my goal is to find out who Rob Dial is more than anything else. And if I don't make money doing it, I don't really care anymore. And that's, here's the thing that's hard about a spiritual journey like this. The thing that's hard about a spiritual journey is that you lose motivation. Like there's days I wake up and I don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much that would have killed me back in the day? It would have, it, it was, I am productivity master. I am so damn efficient. Like my girlfriend knows me as that person. We've been together for years. And over the past year, it hasn't been the same way that it's always been. It's always been about how can I learn more about who I am, read more, listen more, journal more. And all I'm doing, if I'm being completely honest, is learning more about myself, writing it down, and then trying to go, how can I teach this to other people? And I'm lucky enough that I just get paid to do it. Facebook just decides now to go, you know what? We're going to pay you for your videos. I wasn't even making money off of videos before, but I just went, I'm going to start talking about the stuff that I'm learning that's helping me and see if I can do it. So if I'm being completely honest, I have monetary goals, but I don't, I really don't give that much of a crap about the goals. What I care about for me at this point is how can I figure out who I actually am and connect to that as much as possible. Love it. So that is what I wanted. Okay. That, that is exactly. That is my hardcore goal. That's yeah. what I'm motivated and, by. And so the, the, you have an emotional currency yep. that is greater than the tangible physical currency that goes in the bank. That's probably the best phrase. Of, of that. That's like exactly what it is. Yeah. And so there is a goal. Yeah. There are milestones. Yeah. Their milestones are yours. It's just hard because it's not normal milestones and goals that we hear about. I know. Right. Dude, it's you know? so awesome. Yeah. Because I think if more people could understand and celebrate, you're celebrating by pursuing more. Right. Your celebratory moment is when you feel comfortable to move on and pursue more about yourself. Yeah. And I wish if people did more of that, there would be less conflict in the world. Yeah. You know, a lot of conflict, you know, you talk about religion. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a religious person. I just think Jesus is rad. Yeah. He's a cool dude that went to the bottom of the barrel to find his disciples. Yep. He didn't go to the top of the pyramid and say, I got to go get these big, rad, rich dudes to kind of support me. And you're and trying to be more like him every day. hundred percent. Me too. And that is exactly what you are. Yeah. And so that's the thing that I appreciate about you most. You stood in front of a group of people when I was at a GoBundance event. Mm-hmm. You didn't talk about you as here is what I've done. You talked about you as here is what I'm pursuing within me. Yeah. And I'm not an anomaly. I am, am, am just like you, and yeah. I recommend that you do the same. 100%. And that is badass. There's, uh, there's, there's nothing that I do that somebody else can't do as well. That's right. 
And so I've got a couple of questions. We've got a little bit of time. I've got a couple of questions. And what I do is I pick a couple of chapters. I call them Cassidyisms, And I want you to respond as to what you think that means. I'll give you a little context, and you can just apply as necessary, okay? So one of the things I talk about is with, not for. Uh, with, not for is I do things with my kids, not for my kids, so that they're not entitled. I try to do things with my employees, not for my, entitled, my employees, so they're not entitled. Is that something you believe in, or do you think that that's just ridiculous? Yeah, I think, I think if I'm looking back at my life, everything that I learned from my mom was something that she did with me and not for me. And, and I'm, I'm actually, and, and, and if, we're, if we're being completely honest, it, my mom, in, we still, that is still our relationship, right? So a few years ago, my mom had never trapped, my mom had never even left the country. And I'd already been, you know, in 2012, I, I left and went backpacked for three months by myself all over Europe. So a few years ago, I took her to Italy to do something with her. Uh, in November over Thanksgiving, we both went to a place called Rhythmia and did, you know, plant medicine. And we did it with each other. I didn't just send her down there. I went down there and did it with her. So I think that if, uh, if I really want to get a full experience with somebody or to have somebody get the full experience, you need to do something with them. And like you're saying, you don't want your children to be entitled. Um, you going, for instance, one of the things my dad used to always do, even though he's an alcoholic, he was really good at perspective. I mean, he was, the guy was a genius. My, my grandma and grandpa were two of the smartest people I ever met. And they said that my dad was the smartest person that they ever met. Um, and I remember every, not every Christmas, but it was at least once a year, whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter, we would go to a shelter or we would go to a Salvation Army. And he, he gave me perspective by us going and handing the Salvation Army's gifts out to other kids. So I remember being eight years old and giving a bike. I still remember, dude. It was, like, it was like so hard for an eight-year-old to give a bike, brand new bike, to another little boy. Sure. Because I wanted that bike. Yeah. Right? But that was something that we did together. It was something that he did with us. And I think that's really something that, he, that I was able to really get perspective on. One of the things I remember that's really like, for some reason, a, a moment that stands out in my life the most is I was in Tennessee with my dad. It was him driving, my grandma's in the car, myself, and then my cousin, Brian. There's a guy that was broken down on the side of the road and nobody ever stops people on the side of the road. That's one thing I've realized. And he stopped. And I remember we did not have, we did not have money. And, uh, and he stopped and he helped the guy, got his car started, and the guy tried to hand him 20 bucks. And I remember I saw it. My dad went like this and like, no, I'm okay. I don't want it. And, uh, and he got back in the car. I was like 10 at a time. And I was like, why didn't you take the money from him? And he said, oh, I, didn't, I, I don't really want the money for helping the guy. I just told him that I want him to go do something good for someone else today. Mm. And so that was something of me being with him that I was able to learn versus just, you know, hearing the story from him. I love it. I, I think that in society, if, if, if more people did things with others versus for them, uh, there'd be a greater appreciation in general. And better connections. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay, that was a great answer. That was, that was cool. And you had to think about it, which I really appreciate. Um, you know, the, the, the next one I have is something, as an artist, I say passion before process. Mm -hmm. Is that something that resonates with you? Yeah, I say uh, ready, fire, aim. So one of the things that I think a lot of people get caught up in is thinking too much and they think too much and don't have to actually do something. So for instance, you say passion before process, right? I'm passionate about something and I just went, I'm just going to just same thing, ready, fire, aim. I know that I have some topic that I want to talk about. People may listen to me or they may not. 
and I'm just going to go out there and just put it out there and not think about it. My whole thing of starting the podcast when I first started was it was, I read an article that said the average person, average podcast lasts for seven episodes. So I said, okay, I'll just create 14 as quick as I can and I'll have twice as many and I'll see if something happens with it. Mm-hmm. And that went over just over the first you know month and it started to do okay. And so I started pushing it more and more and then I started focusing on it more and more. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer if you don't just ready, fire, aim, like you can ready, you shoot and then you go, oh, I missed the target. And then you start to aim it. If you do too much time aiming, you won't actually ever fire. Yeah, well, that's the old paralysis by analysis, right? Um, So here's an interesting question. Mr. Rob Dial, the guy that's on the internet that is so famous that people can't even comprehend it. Uh, Nobody knows who I am. I've I've been noticed like twice in public. (laughs) You're kind of a big deal in a small world called the internet. Uh, So here's the question. Uh, When I think about a business, uh, in the last four years, I've exited two businesses. Mm -hmm. I built a brand, and with that brand, I got an extra premium, I believe. Um, And so looking at your business, which is kind of a new wave of business, what's your exit strategy? I mean, how are you gonna how are you gonna retire? And is retirement even a part of your thought process? I mean, I kind of see myself if I'm without bullshitting you. Are I kind of see, feel like I'm already kind of retired, which because retirement is is to to be able to relieve yourself from work and to do what you enjoy, right? I already, you know, I travel about six months of the year. I'm usually out of town more than I'm in town, and I already do what I enjoy, and I just feel like I create content that's in, in, like I said from the beginning, it's, it's cathartic. Like for me saying the stuff that I say and research and stuff they have to research is me just trying to work on myself to be better. And then I just teach it to other people. So retirement, no, I probably won't retire. I'll always talk about something and, and it's just so intriguing to me. But my exit strategy is I don't ever, ever see my exit, me exiting from a personal brand. What I do see is creating businesses and my personal brand, getting those to grow quicker. So for instance, this, like, like the way that there's two clothing, there, there's a clothing brand, there's also a journal that I'm in the process of creating, right? So the way I see it is there's my personal brand up here, and then there's a journal company. There's, so there's my personal brand up here, there's the journal company, and then there's the clothing company, right? My personal brand is making me money, everything's going really well, but with 1.4 million eyes, sets of eyes on this, I can grow a journal company really quick. I can grow a clothing company really quick. Neither one of these have my name attached to it. So my goal is to be able to start them, do something that I'm passionate about, love it. And if I, it's once again, it's, it's me creating, it's just being an arse. I get to create clothing, that's awesome. You have yeah. your clothing, you were like, you had to go through the logo designs. No, I don't like this one, I do like this one. You have it on the back of your phone. There's, there's the, the creativity, the artist side of it. It's also the same thing with the journal. There's certain sets of questions, all of these things that you have to work through each day. There's your schedule, all of that that's in every single day. With a, the, the, the reason why I tell people, and I said this earlier, that a personal brand is the most valuable thing that you can have right now is because most people when we're at the GoBundance event are not going to be able to just stop making companies. They're just, they're just creating because it's fun for them to create. But imagine if you could just have an extra set of eyes on all of your stuff every time you start a company so you're not starting from absolute zero, right? right? So I'm never going to exit, to answer your question, I'm never going to exit from my personal brand but my goal is to be able to exit from multiple companies that I'm passionate about 
years down the road if I want to. And if I don't want to exit from them, I don't have to. I can just get people to, to run them for me. But, uh, but yeah, those are two companies I'm in the process of, of creating and making. And, you know, five years from now, I might decide I don't really care about clothing anymore and I could exit from it. Five years from now, I might realize that I don't really care about making journals anymore. I just want to write in a blank journal and I can exit from it. But the cool thing about it is with us being artists or creators, as we spoke about with entrepreneurs, is when I have the personal brand that's above it, I can do whatever the hell I want under it. And the, another example that I'll go back to again is Gary Vaynerchuk. He's got his personal brand. He's got his media company, Vayner, Vayner Media. He's got Vayner X. He's got Vayner Sports. He's got Wine Library. He's got all the speaking engagements. He's, he is the top of it and his personal brand funnels eyes and more eyes turns into more money on all the companies that he has. So I'll always have the personal brand, but then I'll just have companies that I'll start along the way just because as we said, just starting companies is fun. Being an entrepreneur is not easy, but for some reason we like waking up and getting punched in the face every single day just because it's more, it's, it's more fun than just waking up and going to a dust job and doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. Well, that's why I say, you know, if you have to think about being an entrepreneur, don't do it because <laughs> it's in your DNA. It's who and what you are. Yeah. Uh, parlaying that into uh, this new world of, 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 of entrepreneurship, online entrepreneurship, uh, collabs, I think is what it's called, you know, collaborations. I think we're kind of doing one right now. Yeah. Um, you know, how can people either collaborate with you or hire you? How do they get tapped into to who and what you are to maybe have you help them grow their business? Um, well, they can email me, rob at robdial.com if they need to get a, in touch with me. It's pretty easy. So rob at robdial.com. But uh, the things that I do is there's, there's two different ways that I go in businesses. Number one, I can go in and I can talk about a lot of what we, my main wheelhouse is personal development and and really what it turns into is more productivity for the, the people who work for a company. So mm-hmm. if a company's trying to get more out of their employees, well, then if you have someone come in there and realize their employees realize how they're holding themselves back, you're probably going to get out more out of your employees. Mm-hmm. So that's the first way that companies hire me is to go in and speak to their people. And the second way is to go in and consult with them as far as building their brand online. So one of the things, and you saw it in the presentation that I, that I made the other day, is most companies think they go in their brand and then they talk about their product and they sell. And they sell, 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 sell. And people are just tired of it. It's so inauthentic. What we do is we go in and we go, what's the story, right? What's the story behind the brand, right? For trigger point, you probably could have made videos and you're like, hey, this is how this, and you know, I love, I, I use foam rollers every freaking day. Right? I love them and I could talk about you know, how it helped with my, you know, if I'm talking about all the different parts of my body that are sore and why they're sore and when they're sore. But if you go in with the story, like you said, you had fibromyalgia and that's what it was, right? Yeah, yeah. You had fibromyalgia and that's what started it. There's a story. People want to hear stories. Mm-hmm. People learn through stories. Think about thousands of years that pe- humans have been around before anybody ever started writing stuff down. How did stories end up? Stories is the only way that we kept learning throughout the years. So people still connect with stories, still that part. So we go into companies, we say, okay, what's the story? How can we extract stories and then make videos to put it out there? If you look at the best Super Bowl videos that have ever come out, I looked at it the other day. One of them was this one. And the ones that are they're either funny, number one, or number two, they make you feel something mm-hmm. inside. And one of them was, uh, it actually wasn't, it was the Olympics is the one that I saw. And it was Procter and Gamble, and it was one that in the the video was called "Thank You, Mom," and it was Procter and Gamble is not a sexy company at all. They're not like a feely. You don't think Proc, 
you know what, Procter Gamble is going to make me feel good inside. Like, that's not what you think, right? But they had this, this, this journey that you went through when you watch these athletes and then, you know, they were performing on big stages and then you saw them when they were falling down off of the, the beam when they were first and their mom was there to pick them up and encourage them, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, how can we extract, not necessarily make an advertisement, but how can we extract a story out of a company Continue to put that message out so that people connect to the company because they want to connect. They want to feel something. They don't want to just see advertisements all the time. I, I agree 100%. So, so people can hire you to come in and, and, and really help guide them through that path. Yeah. So I speak as far as like personal development, how to get rid of limiting beliefs, all of those you know, fears, how to get more productivity out of the people that are in a company. And the other way to, to go in there is actually consult with social media, building a story around the brand. Awesome. Well, I, I have to say that, that we're going to have to do this again. I, I didn't get through many of my questions. Yeah. I think that, that, I that I know it's, it's crazy. You represent this new world of entrepreneur. And what I appreciate is, and this is what I said about trigger point. It's not about the money. It's about what I can do for others that are in need of what I have. Yeah. And if I stay true to that message, the money will always be there. And, and that is who and what you are. You. So I applaud you for those efforts. And I want you to stay true to who and what you are because I believe there are plenty of people out there in this world that need to hear your message. If you haven't gone to listen to any of Rob's uh, uh, messages on Facebook, they're on YouTube as well. Uh, He's got a YouTube channel. Uh, The Facebook world has embraced you probably the most. uh, And that is because the authenticity uh, and the the ability to find it in a viral setting. So, uh, I believe that your message is great and I believe that your message is strong and I believe that you have just tipped, you're, you're the tip of the iceberg right now. You've got a long run at this and I can't wait to see where your career goes. Me either. It's awesome. going to be good. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks, bud.